Good evening, everybody. This is the No Cap Sports Show podcast, where sports and convos collide. I am your moderator, Ebony Lofton. So glad you guys could join us. And we're excited for our special guest, Mr. Keith Burns. Additionally, we'll try and work in the conversation a bit about the, hey, the NBA season is coming up. Um, it just opened up, actually. We've got some uh, Major League Baseball playoffs and a whole lot more. Thank you guys for joining. This is the No Cap Sports Show. What's up? What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing? Everybody's good. What's going Great. on? Great. Cool in the game. Cool so in the game. Good. Can everybody? Yes, we can see you cool good. Cool in the we game. Cool good. in the game, indeed. Okay, good, 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 good. Everybody good? Yes, sir. What's up, Jay Will? Yes, sir. All what's right. Up, what's up? What's up? Oh, yeah. What's up, world? How y'all doing today? I think everybody's good. We got some folks already logged in, saying hello. That's always good. Right. This is uh, an extra special No Cap Sports Show podcast. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking <laughs> With about. With our special guest this evening, uh, Mr. Keith Burns. For those of you from Alexandria, Virginia, those of you in uh, in Denver, Colorado, and Tennessee, um, he needs no introduction. Um, he is certainly family to us. We are very honored and privileged no, no, no. to have him on. And why don't we just go ahead and bring him in, Mr. Keith Burns? How are you? What's up? What's up? Big homie. What's up? What's up, baby? What's up, OG? Oh, it's all good. How y'all doing? Man, we doing good. Man, we doing better now that you here, bro. Nah, nah. Long time. Look like y'all got a nice setup, man. It's straight up good. This nice. This is nice deal. Hey, well, hey yeah. bro, we, bro, let me tell you something, man. We appreciate you, man. And I want to just say, man, it's a pleasure to have you. Del Ray, stand up. Alexandra, Virginia, stand up. T.C. Williams, stand whoa. the hell up. Yes, sir. Get yes, a yes, seat, man. For real. One of the best athletes to come out of Alexandria, Virginia. That's that's mm-hmm. that's facts. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's get into that's it, right. babes. No cap. No cap indeed. All, all right, right, well, fellas, uh, the floor is yours. Okay, Keith. Like I said, uh, again, bro, we appreciate you. Appreciate having you, man. Like I said, it's an honor and a pleasure, bro. Um, let me let me let me ask you this, man. Um, who was one of your biggest influences growing up? Um, I would say my mom. Um, knowing the way that you know I was growing up, and it wasn't always the best, but she always showed me love, and she always taught me that family was everything. And I think I kind of built my family that way, and. Right trust and believe in God and everything ended up working itself out because I was in a situation at times, but I was able to pull myself out of it and become the person then and the man that I am today. So I would say my biggest influence was my mom. I watched her a lot. Um, I'm a mama's boy. So, and not, <laughs> not growing up with my dad, you know, was all that I had to hang my hat on. So I didn't meet my dad till I was 29 years old. So that was kind of crazy within itself. So, but nah, my mom was everything to me, and she still is to this day. Favorite coach to play for and why? Um, I would say Mike Shanahan. I've learned a lot from him, and throughout my career, um, he is somebody that definitely believed in me. I think, you know, from high school, Pop Warner, 
I had coaches that actually taught me what it was to grow up to be a man. And I think, you know, Chick, Chick Armstrong and Thurston Howe were two guys that I actually looked up to um, as far as coaches because they taught me how to say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And they had no to- they had a no tolerance policy. So as far as that went, they basically kept me in line when I was younger and allowed me to grow into the young man that I was becoming and not knowing what was ahead of me. They kind of looked out for me prior to me leaving high school to go on to college. But I would say those coaches influenced my earlier years, but my professional coach would probably be Coach Shanahan. Okay, uh, that's that's a great, great answer. And it's, it's funny you brought up uh, Chick uh, Armstrong, because I, I, I want to throw these guys at you, and I want you to give me a one-word answer to describe each and one of these coaches, okay? Chick Armstrong. Hard. He was hard. Richard Howe. Um, I would say he was a disciplinarian. Glenn Furman. Mm. Um, <laughs> I would say he was a student of the game. He was a student of the game. Henry Stansel. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I would say I would say he was stern. He was stern. Mm-hmm. That's my guy. He was stern. He was stern. Mm-hmm. What is the best part about competing? Like, you know, like every Sunday when you play for the when you play for when you play professionally. What was the best part about competing? Um, knowing that you were actually landing on the line for the guys that you actually went to war with. Um, not really war because some people, you know, they they take offense to that. And I, like I say, I understand that, but. When you're in the trenches with guys week in and week out and you go through what you go through from, you know, going eight and eight one year, then, you know, your head coach getting fired my rookie year. And then Shanahan came in my second year and you saw something special being built and put together and knowing that you're a part of that. I think going out there and willing, being willing to lay it on the line every Sunday was something that I look forward to. And I didn't have to have a big, big role, but. I knew whatever my job was, I was going to do it and do it to the best of my ability. And I think as long as I did that, I knew I was doing my part because we always had a round table on Monday. And right. if you play on Sunday, you got to bring something back to the table on Monday or you ain't got nothing to talk about. So I always felt that I had to go out there and make a play on Sunday to somehow impact the game. So I'll have something to talk about on Monday. Right. Okay. Hey, go ahead, guys. Like I said, I, I, I got about 50 million questions and stuff like that. <laughs> so I got, I got to let my folks get in. Go ahead. Well, I'll start then. Uh, again, thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule, giving us the opportunity to, to interview you. Oh, no, um, no problem. No problem. And researching you, um, well, I saw you. I saw you play live. That was one of the best teams that Bron- the Bronco teams that you played on. And I and I hated Brett Favre, so I'm happy y'all beat him. Um, <laughs> but you also played with one of the idols that I grew up with, and that's Shannon Sharp. So. If you can give us a PG version of your best Shannon Sharp story, <laughs> I, I think we'll love it. Uh, you know, we we kind of we go way back. I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic the way we became. But it was like, I think, 95. And, you know, me as a rookie, I kind of stayed with the young guys for the most part. But um, he had actually had um, his eye. He had his eye poked and he had to end up, you know, ended up in you know i ir at the end of the season and it was the off season and he had surgery so he was actually hungry and he wanted somebody to bring him food 
And the crazy part about it was, you know, he used to give away a lot of stuff he used to get from whether it was Nike, you know, whoever he was dealing with apparel and stuff like T-shirts and sweaters, hats and everything, gloves or whatever. You know, he wouldn't mind signing autographs and stuff like that. But I was more standoffish because I didn't really know him like that. But for some reason, I still don't know to this day how <laughs> how he got my phone number. And he ended up calling me and, you know, he's actually, you know, he actually called, I guess, a hundred other teammates and all of them turned him down. He just wanted some Wendy's and he ended up somehow getting my number and he called me and asked me what I was doing. And I told him, I said, I'm just sitting here. I'm sitting here just chilling, you know, just, uh, you know, watching my daughter. You know, I just had a newborn my rookie year. So it was all about, you know, just me and her. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just sitting here with my daughter. But he said, do you mind? going to pick me up some Wendy's and bringing it to the house. And I was like, okay. And I said, nah, no problem. I said, can I bring my daughter with me? You know, he was like, yeah, that's cool. So I actually went to Wendy's, got him some food and brought it to him because I wasn't doing anything. But right. to, to him, that was a big deal because out of him giving everybody any and everything, he actually took it upon himself to say, okay, this is a guy that actually I can count on because he's never wanted anything from me because you know, we had rarely talked prior to that, but I still don't know to how he got my number to this day. But <laughs> I went, short, long story short, I went, took him some food, and it's like we just sat back and started talking, him being drafted in the seventh round, me being drafted in the seventh round, and coming from where we came from, we just started hitting it off. And he's a jokester, I'm a jokester, and <laughs> our friendship pretty much just blossomed from there. And it's almost like he wouldn't do nothing without me. I wouldn't do much without him. He doesn't do much. He's a homebody. So we'll be sitting at the house just chilling, me and him, either playing cards or watching Jeopardy. And our friendship just started to build and build. And it's to the point now where it is now. It's like, you know, he's not going to do anything without telling me. I wouldn't do anything without telling him and vice versa. So he's like really one of my best friends. You know, basically league best friends that I have is him, Rod Smith, and a couple of other guys. But he's one of those guys that basically took me under his wing and told me and showed me how to stay in the league. So when I we had an off day on Tuesday, he pretty much told me in order to stay in this league, you know what they do on Tuesday. They have workouts. So if you want to find out who they bringing in to try to take your position, you bring your butt over here and work out. So that's what I did. Wow. He got me into working out on, on my off day and basically showed me the ropes until he was ready to cut the cord so I could go out there on my own. Mm -hmm. But that's basically how it blossomed. So that's the PG version of how we became friends. And we're, we've been best friends for a long time. I've been knowing him for almost Absolutely. 20 plus years. But like I said, he's an awesome guy. I mean, it's amazing the response that people get uh, from him and thinking that, you know, he's this big person, but he's just a regular guy. And he's basically uh, basically a guy that will give you pretty much everything that you have because that's what he is and that's who he is. But he's also, like I said, an awesome friend. And he's somebody that I lean on for a lot of things. And I don't know where I would be career-wise without him. That's dope, big homie. My man, Keith Burns, born and raised in Greeley. I'm sorry, born in Greeleyville, South Carolina, raised in Alexandria, VA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, listen, man. Hey, listen, when I called you last week, we talked for about 10 minutes. And once we got done with that phone call, I called Fred. I said, listen, man, just in the 10 minutes that I talked to him, man, this guy is so humble. 
that's what I got from you. Appreciative, mm-hmm. humble. It wasn't. It, it didn't. It didn't come off fake. It came off real genuine. Absolutely. And with that said, you were drafted in the seventh round of the NFL. Talk about the anxiety leading up to that, because I do believe still at that time it was only seven rounds. Correct. Right, that was the that was the second. That was the year. final round, that was exactly. The year. Yeah, that was the yes. Second year. Talk about the anxiety, man, leading up to that. You know, knowing like, well, damn, it's the seventh round. Is my name gonna be called? And then talk about what it felt like once your name was called. Because, like I said, I know you're a humble guy. Like I said, we talk, man. Your 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 story is incredible. We don't have enough time. I mean, you went to junior college. You know, right. the transfer had a hell of a season at Oklahoma State. I'm, right. uh, I may add, but talk about the anxiety leading up to the seventh round, and then once your name was called, talk about the excitement and the you know just the re, the, the release of anxiety. Well, we like you said, we go way back, and I always used to tell you that you know one day I was going to play in the NFL, but mm-hmm. sure I guess did. because nobody basically prior to me getting there actually have done it so it was like you had a couple of guys with a couple of tryouts but mm-hmm. they've never actually really let me make sure this light stays. <laughs> i'm in the office it's shutting off but uh but i nobody had actually actually made it to that next level prior to me going so it was more like i didn't have a blueprint you know so it was like i didn't really know how to get there but i knew i wanted to get there mm-hmm. And I just felt like, you know, if I did everything that I needed to do with the God-given talent that I had, things would work out. And um, as, as leading up to the draft, it was more of like I didn't know what to expect. And like I said, it's one of those deals like, can you really play at that level? Because nobody coming from T.C. had done it yet. So right. I was right. like, OK, well, if I get the opportunity, that's all I need. I'll show them that I can play the game, you know, because that's basically all I've been doing all my life mm-hmm. is playing football. So um, leading up to it, it was a little anxious, but it was like as the rounds started going, because like you said, I was the number one linebacker coming out that year. Mm-hmm. and But I was not a workout guy, you know, so I wasn't, you know, in the weight room forever. My thing was I could find the ball. I could hit the person with the ball, and that's all I thought that I needed to do. But I didn't know I needed to run a fast 40 and <laughs> all of these weights and all of that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just, you know, clearly, you know, didn't worry about that. So I was like, okay, if my name is not called, you know, it's like, well, what do I do? But um, I was kind of nervous. But like I said, not having known what to expect, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I said, well, even if I get, like, a free agent tryout, you know, I think I'm confident enough in my ability that I can go out there and get the job done. But leading up to it, you know, I mean, my mom, my sister, brother, everybody was there. So it was like we kind of threw a little party, but it wasn't nothing, you know, overwhelming. But it was here it is Sunday, the last day of the draft. And, you know, the rounds are ticking away. And like you said, it's the seventh round. They get to, you know, pick 209 and Denver, my phone actually rings. So Denver's actually on the clock the next pick. And, you know, Wade Phillips actually called. He was the head coach at that time. And he asked me, was I ready to be a Bronco? And that's basically all it took. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the best of me. And I Mm -hmm. think looking at it from that perspective, it was like, wow, it actually happened. But I knew I still had to go out there and prove myself. So Mm -hmm. I knew the work Mm -hmm. didn't stop there. But I did have the opportunity that I was looking for. And it ended up working itself out. Um, mm-hmm. 
But leading up sure to it, did. I got nervous mm-hmm. a little bit. But right. my best friend, Sean Andrews, Spanky, everybody knows Spanky. Spank, Spank. Way, he actually came with the shirt. I don't know if he had the shirt, you know, on speed dial or something. He had uh, <laughs> came in the house. He actually came, he actually came over to my mom's house with a shirt that said 2000, um, 210th pick in the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. it was one of those deals. It was a happy moment for my family, and it all worked out. So yes, that sir. was leading up to the draft. And like I said, the rest of the story is, you know, it was all History. up to me. That's right. So I never looked back from that point, but I definitely took it and ran with it. God blessed me with the ability, and I, I was thankful for it. <clears throat> so, Mr. Keith, um, everybody been asking you about, uh, like, personal feelings. I'm gonna ask, I got two questions for you. Go ahead. First one, I want to ask you: uh, Who was the toughest guy you ever? You say you ever had a hit? It could be one person. It could be one hit. Whether they ran you over completely, if you made the tackle, he still kind of. Who was it that just brought that thump? That that like you like? Damn, I don't want to hit this guy. Uh, I was I would say the the toughest guy I ever had to go against was probably Jerome Bettis. Oh, um, wow. being being a, being a back with that type of girth. You know, with the feet that he had, yeah. it was a back that you had to brace yourself and you knew yeah. it was going to be one of those type days. Um, the only back that I'd never actually got a chance to play against and probably I always feel is probably the best back to ever play the game is probably Barry Sanders. Wow. But I've talked to him mm. many times by him right. being an alumni of Oklahoma. That's State. right. Mm-hmm. So we we come across each other plenty of times, and right. I've always told him that you know, out of all the backs that I've ever played against in the NFL, he was the one that I never really got an opportunity <laughs> to play against. But right. you know, um, I would say Bettis would be that guy because wow. of his size and his girth. You know, you think you're gonna get your arms around him, but you really mm-hmm. seriously call that a wrapped up tackle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, so the second question, um, you won two Super Bowls. So the first, your first Super Bowl, you know, you getting taped up, you warming up. Walk us through the nerves and the anxiety before wow. the Super Bowl, man. What question, Jack? Uh, well, um, having watched them all the way up till then on TV, wow. to actually say that you're actually about to play in one, right. walk hmm. on the field. Walked on the field, shed some tears because I couldn't believe that I was actually in that moment. Right. And it's like, here I am coming from Alexandria and I'll get, always get choked up about it. because no, it's okay, bro. It's all good, bro. I, came, I came so far and to actually be at that point in your life to say you've arrived. And I knew that everybody was watching that game. Right. So right. it was one of those like, how can I go out here and perform knowing that everybody's watching this game. So I had to calm my nerves a lot, big time. Um, all my friends were there, but I knew that I was going to win that game, not only for me, but for Alexandria. That's right. So I think, and like I said, I talk about it all the time, but knowing how many people were in it for me to do that and for me to actually be able to bring that trophy home to Alexandria, it was it's, it was it left me speechless, but it was a game that I've dreamt about all my life. So, right. in order for me to be able to say that right. I actually played in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it was it was, was a child it was a childhood mm-hmm. dream of mine. So, right. for it to actually come to fruition, um, it was crazy. But like I said, to go on to not only play in the game but to win the game was amazing. Right. And like I said, outside of getting married, you know, um, the birth of my kids, that was like one of my greatest moments. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's dope. Hey, J Dub got J Dub got the guests on here getting the motion of my man. man. Okay, J Dub, that's a great man, question, man. That's a great super question. Super Bowl. How can you? 
how can you not get choked up about the Super Bowl? And family, right. if you don't know already, this is the No Cap Sports Show podcast where sports and convos collide. But you can be part of the conversation. This is the one and only Mr. Keith Burns, two-time Super Bowl champion. He is a current uh, special teams coach over at uh, Tennessee State. Obviously, my beloved Washington football team, special teams coach, former. Um, I was watching that interview with you, by the way. But um, please, if you'd like, please call in. Talk to Keith. Talk to us. Um, you know, ask some questions that we aren't thinking. Right. No need to be scared of us. Yeah, we we want to hear from you. Let us know. Keith, I feel that in my soul, like right here. Like, seriously, that's. Listen, yeah. the good. Super Bowl. Yeah, yes, right. I right. love it. I fun. love it. Hey, 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 Keith. If I can, just real quick, I just want to switch gears real quick. Okay. Obviously, the big talk in the NFL has been John Gruden over the last eight. You played for John Gruden for right. one year in two thousand four, right. correct? Right. Yes, sir. Did you did you see like any of these traits? Because I hear players now, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Antonio Brown. You know, they're all saying now, I told you so. I told you so. Did you see any of this in him, you know, back then? Like, what's, you know, what has come to fruition? And did, did you see anything or did you have a good relationship? Or, you know, how, you know, how were, you know, how was your relationship with John Gruden? Um, I was just, like I said, I was only down there for a year. Mm -hmm. um, they had a great culture down there in Tampa. Um, some of those guys that were teammates with me, Derek Brooks, um, Anthony McFarlane, Boog, it was on, uh, on ESPN, mm -hmm. um, Sheldon Quarles. Our linebacker group was pretty pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, steady um, as far as that go. Um, but, no, I didn't, I didn't ever saw anything like that. Um, that's why it was more surprising to me when it all came out. But, right. mm -hmm. you know, you, you never know how a person's feeling you know, in any situation, but for whatever reason, you know, he felt he had to express himself in the email in the, in the emails that he did, but I never saw anything that it would have indicated that he was that type of person, but mm -hmm. you know, um, it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, a person will, you know, reveal his character at any True. time, you know, whether True. it's through emails or something they see says out his mouth, but I was more shocked than anything, but mm -hmm. having been around him, for that year, I mean, he was always up front, you know, and never, never gave any indication that that's how he felt about individuals. But obviously, you know, he felt that way um, about certain individuals and for certain stereotypes that he used in those emails. Uh, do I think is right? No. But like I said, I can't be the judge, you know, at the right. end of the day, mm -hmm. he got to answer to God himself. So, right. you know, um, I hate that he has to go through it. But at the end of the day, I think it was, you know, good that it all came out. And, you know, now he can start to heal not only and think, change his way of thinking, mm. but at some point, is he at the age where he's not going to change? Mm. Like he'll always think that way. You mm. never know. There it is. Preach. Right. <laughs> okay. Hey, OG, um, the OG Marcus Elliott wanted, wanted us to ask you, please someone ask him about the, his talent on the hardwood. He was a beast. <laughs> we just talked about that before we came on air and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, hey, hey, uh, Marcus already brought up the fact that he broke, uh, broke the uh, rim, um, in practice at TC Williams and stuff like that. All right, asked him about, uh, you know, he was doing some damage against Grant Hill and his mob or what have you when they played, uh, South Lakes, man. But yeah, Keith was a hell of an athlete, man, a hell of an athlete, and he inspired a lot of people, such as myself. 
I already told him I looked up to him, man. Like I said, when I came in as a as, as a seventh grader, Francis E. Hammond Keith was in the ninth grade. And all I did was just, you know, pause on this. But yeah, all I did was just lay eyes on him, you know what I'm saying? On the, from a football standpoint and a basketball standpoint, man. With, yeah, you remember you played with what? Uh, Emmanuel Hitch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lou, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tracy Ledbetter. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ricky Billingsley. Yeah. 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 So yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all had a nice mob and stuff like that, man. But yeah, yeah you was you was a hell of an athlete, man. One, I, and I will say this, man. One of the best athletes, if not the best athlete, to come out of Alexandria, both sports. So <laughs> there it is, right there, bro. Yeah, but let I me ask you. Hey, hey, Mo, you got you got any, you got another question, bro? I don't mean to cut you off. Just, just one more, because I, I know you know it. Hey, when you got an idol, you you can go all day. But uh, <laughs> nah, that, it's funny you say that. So Fred was somebody that that looked up to you. I'm pretty sure there's many others. But who inspired you to play the position that you played? Um, I'm a huge uh, Giants linebacker fans. I'm talking about from Lawrence Taylor to Carson Reese Reasons Pepper Johnson. Um, so those call banks, um, those were the linebackers that I tried to pattern myself after because when I saw them play, they basically left it all out there on the field and they played as one unit, you know. And like I said, I would look and I also looked up to Frank Sanders coming out of going to high school, he actually wore 48 before I did, so you know, and I used to go, um. Thurston Howell used to take me because his sons was actually playing at TC. He used to take me to those games. And I was playing at Pop Warner. So I used to be like watching him, like thinking he was like the best linebacker that I had ever saw in high school. So I kind of patterned myself and I wanted that number when I got to TC, you know, and I was very blessed to actually get that number. And now it's retired. But I looked up to Frank Sanders growing up as a linebacker. He might not know this, but. You know, and I've only told a few people this, but he is definitely one. And But as far as the pros go, I always patterned myself after a linebacker that played at Michigan State named Percy Snow. I loved him. He wore yes, number 48. Percy Snow. He, no, he wore number 48. But when I got Percy. growing up from the pros, it was definitely the Giants linebackers that, bar none, I thought they were the best linebackers that, you know, walk the face of the earth. And so I tried to take a piece of their game and implement, implement it into mine at all times. And that's what I basically carried myself after. I was They were nasty on the field, so I felt like I had to be nasty out there. Yeah, I like that. Hey, hey Keith, let me ask you this. In terms of what what is the best college or pro atmosphere that you've ever played in? Oh, believe it or not, I don't know. Coach George might uh, he might get on me about this, but I actually played uh, at the University of Michigan when they had you know it had like ninety some thousand people. Um, we had a great defense in college, but right. the atmosphere was just like out of this world playing in Ann Arbor. And I was like, because you, I've watched them on TV for years. So to actually go into that stadium and say, wow, I'm playing against, you know, Elvis Gerback, Tyrone Wheatley, mm-hmm. you know, those guys. I mean, they were bringing it, you know, Ricky Powers. I'm looking at these guys like, OK, but. I was blessed to be able to line up against them because they knew that they were going to get my best on that day. I mean, we actually had five turnovers, but, you know, our offense wasn't, you know, pretty good. So we ended up losing like 31 to 13 late in the fourth quarter. But it was just playing in that atmosphere um, that made that was almost like my welcome to college football. 
um, being in an atmosphere like that. And I was like, okay, this is what it's like, you know, and then you go back and watch a movie like the program and they show <laughs> you how it's supposed to be. And this is how it's done. But that was basically my introduction to college football playing in Ann Arbor. And I think that was like one of the best, you know, experiences that I actually had. And then of course, you know, the rivalry with OU playing mm-hmm. in that game, um, you know, it was like amazing because we hadn't beaten them in, you know, so many years. But then my junior year, I actually had, a, um, you know, blocked extra point and ran it back for a two point conversion against them. And we ended up tying them in college. And that was and then the next year we went up there and they kind of blew the doors off us. But I think uh, playing up there uh, in Norman, but uh, I would say Ann Arbor was like the atmosphere in college that was, you know, second to none for me. So when you came. OK, let me ask you this. When you came, uh, when you came out of, because uh, you went to Navarro Junior College, right? Yes, in Corsicana, Texas. Yes. Okay, so let me ask you this: Who was the other schools that were recruiting you at that time outside of Oklahoma State, and why did you choose Oklahoma State? Um, it was it was easy. Um, so I could have probably went any you know, any school um, coming yeah. out of junior college. Um, you figured I took visits to Texas A and M, uh, Louisville. <laughs> I took Texas um, Mississippi State. Um, mm. I think University of Miami, um, uh, Penn State, Arizona State, um, they all wanted me. But o- Oklahoma State, I went up there, took a visit, and it was one of those deals where – but the thing that sold me on Oklahoma State is, you know, it, they never promised me anything. They say, you got to come in and work for it. And I'm like, you know, I was willing to do that. But it was two things. You know, they said they were looking for a linebacker, they were looking for a leader. And I felt that those were two things that I definitely felt that I could bring to, you know, that program and try to get it going in the right direction. I just wish we had the offense in college that they have now. With the defense that we had, you know, I would have loved that. But <laughs> they won. They needed two things, and I felt that I brought those two things to the table. And you know, fortunate for me, it kind of worked out. You know, I went in and didn't play. Didn't play much the first game, but after that second game, I started starting, and you know, I never looked back from there. You know, I had uh, I had I think a hundred and hundred and six some tackles that year, um, a couple of interceptions, and you know, lo and behold. You know, that's when the college scouts start coming around, the pro right. scouts start coming around. And I was like, OK, when they want to talk to me, it's like now the light bulb moment has hit me. And it's like you might have a chance, but I still didn't know the path to get to where I wanted to go. But, um, you know, being named an All-American, preseason All-American and all of those accolades that came with it. You know, I just stayed steady, you know, and tried to work out to become the best player that I was. Um, at the end of the day, that's what it ended up being. And like I said, ended up getting drafted and not never looked back. Um, I was blessed to be able to play 13 years in the NFL. And, you know, I was able to walk away from the game. I didn't have to limp away. So was 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 the head coach of Oklahoma State your quarterback at that time, Gundy? No, he actually um, was the quarterbacks coach because he had finished up. Wow. In 80, he actually finished up in '89. He was the quarterbacks coach um, when I was actually in college. I mean, I still talk to him. Um, the last time I was up there was in, I don't want to say, '17. Uh, I took my son up there. Okay. Um, we went to go to well, we went to the Oklahoma State OU game. I think it was Baker Mayfield's last his senior year. So we went up there, me and my wife and my son. It was his senior year in high school. So I always told him that you know I'll take him back to one of those games. So we went to the Bedlam game. But now him being the head coach, you know he had carte blanche to everything. So he actually put us up in a nice suite and everything. So it was it was ironic, you know, that seeing him now as the head coach. But yeah, he was actually the quarterback coach when I was in college 
All right, we got two comments, man. Uh, Rodney Belly said Keith was a hell of a catcher playing baseball when we were young. <laughs> Charles Pittman said Keith turned me into a full-time basketball player after one hit up TC you football. So <laughs> I see you. I see you, Pitt. I see you, Rodney. <laughs> Again, guys, go ahead. You guys go ahead and ask your question because, like I said, I, I can be here all night long. I got I got plenty. So I'm wait. Let I you have guys a quick question, please. Oh, go ahead, babies. I have a quick question. First of all, shout out to Marcus Elliott, Juanita Threat, Low Morgan, everybody for their comments. Thank no you. But you. Keith Burns. Uh -huh. So I read that you did stand up comedy. Wow. Is that correct? Uh, actually, <laughs> actually, I have. I love um, that though. Oh, uh, that's listen. I'm an things. aspiring comic. Oh, yeah. Yo, Jesus when you're on stage, like it's your thing, right? God. Yeah, it is actually. But you know, I actually grew up with uh, Donnell Rollins. You know, that's he right. Around, he lived around the corner yeah, from Don, Donnell from Delray. True exactly. that. So, True um, that. You know, me growing up. But I mean, I've True been telling that. jokes. I've been telling telling jokes probably like since I was probably like five years old. And um, it was one of those um, actually there. One of the um, one of the beat writers in Denver actually, you know, he challenged me like, you know, oh, you think you're so funny in the locker room. You know, won't you go on stage and see how that works? And, and, you know, he he said that, like, as if I was scared, even though I had never been on stage at that time. But I'm like telling jokes. That's like easy. That's what I do. It's almost like it's natural. So I took it upon myself and I was like, all right, you you book it. I'm on. So I didn't know. This is like, you know, as the Internet was really, really getting big, they actually um, put it and posted it that, oh, Denver wait, Broncos is there footage out there? Yeah, there is actually somewhere. There is footage out there somewhere. So I actually did. I went down, but I didn't know that he was going to pub it up. I didn't know he was going to pub it up the way yeah. that he did. So he actually blew it up and put it out there on the Internet, put it out there on TV. So everybody in Denver actually knew. Me playing for the Broncos, that's a crazy town. Fans love you. So it was like standing room only when I come out there on the stage. So I was kind of like, okay, now I really got to give them a show. I had a three-minute a three minute set. was great. I think I knocked it out the box. Just hanging out with uh, other comedians, you know, that were trying to make it at the time. It was an amateur night. And I went out yep. there, said my bit. But it's something that I've always, you know, kept close to my heart. And I, even on my off days, I would go down to Comedy Works and just hang out just to see, like, you know, the timing of some comedians, the, you know, the material that they use and stuff the like that. The timing is hot. key. Exactly. Yes. What's hot out there and things like that. But I could turn a joke into pretty much anything for me. <laughs> and, yeah. and like I said, I think I get that probably more from my mom and most of the people in my family because my right. mom always told me that, you know, it's, it's she'll rather see me laugh than cry. That's but there's right. nothing wrong with crying. Sure and that is something that I've learned I love that. as I got older. So I'm okay yeah. with crying now, but I love to laugh. I laugh all the time. I like it. I did stand-up comedy. I did an amateur night myself. Oh, did and, you? Yeah. How did it go? How yeah, did it go? I did. Mm -hmm. How did it go? How it was it go? good, but it was one of those places where they didn't boo. So I don't really know if it was like good or not. But I felt like I was good. So Keith, it was in the, it, 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 she had a mirror in front of her, Keith. That's what that was. <laughs> no, no, I did not. I was in Maryland. But you know what, uh, Keith, you know this. They're brutal. I told the guy, I was like, I want to wow. go last. He was like, you don't tell me what to do. Wow. You just go on when I tell oh, yeah. you to. I was exactly. like, oh. Okay. Like, comedy is not, it's not for the faint of heart. You have to no. be real. And but see, I have very thing, good jokes. If you need some jokes, I can I can share my jokes thing, with you. The thing about um, yeah. being a comedian, especially just starting out, um, you have to almost like go to those amateur nights 
for them you to take do. you serious. Yeah. Sometimes you have to go yes. like five or six times before they even give you a chance to get on stage. Wow. It's not like you just so going to show true. up and they're going to put you on stage. They want to know that yeah. this is something that you're serious about. It's not a fly by night type thing, right. even though I had yeah. an easy pass to get in. But right. just talking to the guys, you know, and then just seeing how it works from that perspective. A lot of guys come down there night in and night out, week in and week out, just to try to get on stage, just to say, this is what either they're working on new material, just trying to catch a break. That's all of, you yeah. know, what it takes for a comedian to be able to do that. So it's mm -hmm. ironic because when you first hit the stage, you can't see anything. You know, no, all you see and the sound the, and everything exactly, is crazy, right? Exactly. So when you go out there, of course, I was a little lit. <laughs> okay. I was a little lit when I went on the stage, so I was a little calm. <laughs> Liquid <the> courage. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So with the lights right in your face, with the lights being right in your face, it was kind of crazy, crazy because you never yes. all you're going off of is sound. So either That's you're it. telling a joke that is funny, or yeah. The room gets real quiet and it goes dry. So you got to come out with a bang, being a comedian right. that nobody's ever seen just to get them started. But once you get going and you get into your set, you kind of start calming down. But the lights are right up on you. So you don't see nobody but the people in the front row. Everybody nope. else in the room, you don't even know. You can't even really pay much no. attention to them. But you're going off a of field and here right. for the most part. Hey, Keith, shout out to uh, my, shout out to the OG uh, Brad Ash. He said, my man, 50 grand. Keith, much love and respect. <laughs> yes, sir. That's my man. We, up, played, we played on the basketball team together. That's my guy. I know y'all used to take me home from practice, man. I know on, on, on Saturday practices. Yeah, exactly. I definitely know. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Hey, yo, Keith, on. I got another question for you. Oh, go ahead, my back. Go ahead. So, um, my, I want to take it modern day. Uh -huh. Who is uh? You can give top three. You can give just your favorite. Who's your favorite linebackers or just just straight hitters? It could be a safety. Anybody who who's who's some of your favorite defensive players to watch? I'll say Fred Warner from the 49ers. I like his game. Oh, wow. Um, wow. He, he brings it. I would say the linebacker in Chicago. I like his game. I've been Rick watching Smith. him since I've been watching him since high school. Yeah. Um, and then I would say um who's probably on the tail end of his career, probably the linebacker in Seattle. Bobby I mean, Wagner. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Wagner. Bobby I, Wagner. I, re I remember evaluating him when he came out what? of college. Yeah. Really? I remember evaluating him coming out of college and I was like, okay, I could see him you know, being that guy coming from a small school, right. I was like, you could see him just running around and his enjoyment of playing the game. You know, mm -hmm. those are type of things that I look for, you know, when I'm actually watching tape, because the tape is going to tell you who this person is. Right. Everybody knows that, you know, if you like playing the game, you can play the game. But you and, and when you find those guys from those little schools, you know, you know that they feel like this is all the only chance that they have. So they have to basically put their best foot forward. And you knew you were going to get that out of Bobby Wagner every time he stepped on the field. So wow. it, it, it's not a surprise that his career is the way that it is. And it ended up being, you know, the way that it did. So I think other than him being on the tail end, the back end of his career, he was exactly what I thought he was coming out of college. Cool, yeah. cool. And I got one more before uh, before Mo goes. So, as a complete defense, it can be yours that y'all won the Super Bowl with. Who is your favorite defense unit of all time? Mm. Go, go, oh, bro. by far, it's go. the 2000 Ravens. Yes, sir. Yeah. Easy, yeah. easy, even though easy. My, even though my best friend actually went and played for them. Shop. He actually left Denver. 
and we actually played them in the wild card game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ricocheted off uh, Terrell yep. Buckley's hands. Yep. He ended up catching it. Yep. He ran down the sidelines past me. Yes, he was laughing. We started laughing about <laughs> the And he actually ended up scoring a touchdown. So it was yep. ironic. But that team, mm. that team to me, mm. like I said, I would watch that team any day. I'll put that defense up against anybody. 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 When they anybody. walk on the field with the guys yeah. that they had on that mm. defense, bought none. And he used to tell me, Shannon used to tell me all the time that the defense coordinator come to the offense and tell him, you know, say, how point? many points, how many points. And I think it was uh, Marvin Lewis at the yeah, time. He'd say, how many points y'all need? How many points y'all need this week? Mm-hmm. And he say, if you give us seven, we good. He right. Good. Yes. Good He's right. He's right. Yes. Hands yes. down, hands yes. down, that 2000 Ravens defense was the best defense I've ever seen in my life. Hey, real quick, do you realize in the Super Bowl they beat the Giants in? Do you know the Giants never made it to, to Baltimore's 20-yard line the entire game? No, I'm serious. The only touchdown they scored was on a kickoff return. Yep. They never made it to the 20-yard line of, of Baltimore in, in, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, That's crazy. I, I think, you know, some people would say the 85 Bears, but the 85 Bears wasn't putting up the numbers like this defense. I mean, mm-hmm. the Bears' defense was great. I was but about to bring them up, too. If it's, if it's anything better than great, that Baltimore Ravens defense 2000 was it. Because yeah, I've never seen – I've never – and I don't know if we'll ever see a defense like mm. that again. Because in mm. the NFL now, it's probably illegal. Yeah. Hands down, I would say that Baltimore Ravens defense is the best defense, hands down. Bad. That's what's up. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I got I to gotta stick up for my idol, man. Y'all in Denver, y'all ain't want to pay him that bag. That's why he had to go. Y'all well, some, <laughs> well, no, sometimes it's not even about the money. It's about being appreciated. Right. You know? okay. we, we sat back and talked about it. Um, right. Actually, I had left. I was gone. Um, and like I said, we were, we were real, real close. And he was like, well, you know, I think because he had actually broke his collarbone the year before. So, of course, getting up there in age, they was like probably felt that, you know, he wasn't going to be the same player. Right. So he said, well, you know, now it's time for me to take on a new challenge. So I'm going to take right. my leadership to Baltimore. And I think that was the missing piece that they actually needed because mm-hmm. he always said, you know, he always had one play in him. He called me every Sunday talking about, oh, I got one play in me. So he one play Shay. So that was his thing. One you know, play and, if you hey. That season, that's what he was giving you. One play a game. And when they got in the playoffs, he everybody remember when they played the Raiders in that championship that game. One touchdown. That yes. yes. That's all the defense needed. Yes. And they never yes. back from there. Yes, that was the only touchdown they scored that whole game. Everything exactly. else was field goal. Exactly. Raiders exactly. didn't score, correct? No, they they, they uh, was they it like 13-3? They got a field goal. Field goal, 13-3. Like yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that defense was tough. So mm. I mean, I'm not surprised. But yeah, when he left, uh, I was bitter. It was bittersweet. But at the same time, he did end up coming back. So we did finish up. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I think 2002, 2003 together. Mm-hmm. And then I left mm-hmm. in 2004. Yep. And then he basically said, you know, he was done. He retired. Went into TV, and he hadn't looked back since either. He's doing mm-hmm. a hell of a job, hell you know, yeah. on his show. And I think you know everybody loves seeing him. We're getting up in the morning to catch his show because he gonna yeah, give you. You already stuff. know it. Yeah, he gonna yeah, give you. Yeah, he give yeah. us a gym every day. 
And that's exactly who he was. That's who he was in the locker room. And that's the type of person that he's always been. You know, he's, he's a great, like I said, he's a great role model. You know, I always look up to him. And like I said, to me, for me to be able to call him my best friend is, is basically an honor. And I know that's not something that you want to honor your best friend, but him being who he is, you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, I trade it for the world. Well, actually he honors you just as much, bro. Cause it's <laughs> been several times on Undisputed where he put it out there and stuff sure like that. Sure has. His, his yes. main man, yeah. his mm -hmm. go-to guy. Keith Burns. Keith Burns. Yes, I, don't know if I don't know if it's Keith. He brought, obviously, he brought your name. I don't know if he said Rod Smith as well. But yeah. yes, him, yeah. definitely yes. your name. I was he sure like, has. wow. He yeah, sure I has. Him, I tell him to keep that on the low because people may be looking for me. It ain't telling me a while. The way he put my name up, a lot of people end up texting me and be like, oh, Shannon gave you a shout out. You know, but I talked to him. I talked to him probably about every other week just sure. to check on him, you know, because like mm -hmm. I said, when I was in L.A. with the Chargers, I would go hang out with him, you know, on the weekends. We'd kick it, you know, catch up just like old times. And now that I'm in Nashville, you know, we don't get to hang out as much, but I always, you know, check on him, make sure he's good on that end. Mm -hmm. You know, living out there in L.A. by itself, just make sure oh, everything is going good. You know, check on him, how the show's going, stuff like that, just to, you know, keep him level-headed at times. How was that experience, man, uh, uh, being special teams coach with the uh, L.A. Chargers? Um, actually, I was insistent at that time, but it's also it's mm -hmm. awesome. You know, anytime you get an opportunity, you know, to coach at the highest level, mm -hmm. you know, and me being a player and played the game as long as I did, um, my thing is always when you get those young guys who, you know, have been – you know, the man, wherever they've been, as far as whatever college they went to, making it to the next level, everybody's been the man. So now you're getting the opportunity, but you may come in and you're now, you know, the fifth team running back, you know, so your way of making it on the football team is going to probably be through the special teams, you know, area mm -hmm. on the team. So right. now thing is, if you're going to do it, you might as well be able to do it and do it well. So I always tell the young guys, you know, I made a career out of it, you know, and I tell people all the time, I only started three times in my career, but I played 13 years. So what do you think that I did most that of my career? Right. That's right. That That's is, correct. Like, that That's is what I told somebody. Yes, so sir. At, this, at the same mm -hmm. time, I was I was always a team guy. So I tell the yes. young guys now coming in, you have to find your niche to be That's able right. to stay on this football team because hmm. they only start 22 guys. If you're not in that starting rotation, you better be able to play special teams, teams and play it well. So from that standpoint, I mean, it's it's always been great for me, but I always love coaching at that level. I'm learning the college game now, love coaching at college because I take the same approach now that I did in the NFL to try to get those young guys in the NFL to be exactly how I was. And I give them every example, all the experiences that I had playing in the kicking game, and now I just take it to the college level and try to get those games to get those guys to be able to believe in me, trust That's what right. I'm teaching them, so they can go out there and be successful on Saturday, just as I did to try to get those guys to be successful on Sunday. Now go I got I got one more for you. Being that you were a special teamer. And anybody that played football know that's that's the most dangerous occupation <laughs> out there. Um, and being that we have awareness about CTE and everything like that, on, if you knew about that then, and it sounds like you were a hell of a basketball player, hell of a baseball player, would you still play the game of football? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. Um, because that's all I knew at the time. I mean, but knowing what I know now, yeah, I think I would. Because, like I said, I was able to change not only my family's life, but a lot of people's lives, um, being able to play the game of football. So that's part of the sacrifice. I knew what I was signing up for. Did I know what it was doing to me at the time? No. 
but that's part of it. You know, um, now that we are more educated about it, now you have the choice to either say, okay, if this is doing this to our players, we have to look at the player safety perspective right. from it. And right. like I said, me having a son, everybody automatically assumed that he was going to do exactly what his dad did. But right. I was fortunate enough to put him in a position that he didn't have to live the way that I live. That's so right. I think, you know, him being a product of his environment, he wasn't one. He loved the game. You know, he'll run around. I think he's very athletic. I had two go two daughters that played actually college basketball. I mean, yes. they were great athletes. So at the same time, I didn't put that pressure on my son to go out there and be like his dad. You know, whatever he chose in life, I just wanted him to be a productive person and a productive citizen that is very respectful. Preach. And went out and did his thing. Next year, he'll be graduating from High Point University in May. Mm, no so problem, he's the last mm -hmm. of the Mohicans. So all of my kids have, you know, graduated from college. Great you know, both of my daughters have their mm -hmm. masters. My oldest daughter actually works. About. She actually works for um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. She got her first Super Bowl Woo! ring this year. Um, she's been down mm. there for three years working PR. Um, my youngest daughter is a kindergarten teacher in Atlanta. And then um, with my son graduating, you know, he'll forge his own path. But I never wanted them to ever go out there and play the game the way that I played because it was a lot more violent, you know, and it was a little bit more no holes bar when I played in the NFL. They kind of cleaned it up now, and they look more on the safer side than they did when I was playing. But I wouldn't change it for anything because I love playing the game. I love being around the game of football, and that's why I like coaching it still to this day. But it's a safer way to play the game, and that's just the way that we weren't taught. And now right. that I'm allowed to be able to go out and teach the safer way, I, you know, I'm all for it. And I would, I would look forward to going out and teaching it that way so we can continue to play the game of football. Hey, uh, Keith, uh, the OG Yoke said, nice, uh, said, uh, what's up, homie? What's up, oh, nephew? Tell him I say what's up. That's his blue friend, the blue brothers. <laughs> That's the Blue Brothers. What's up, OG? <laughs> hey, go ahead, big bro. Go ahead, big bro. No, I was just going to say talk about Justin Herbert for a sec. Oh, well, I liked him coming out of college. I mean, Ooh, like too. I said, anytime you got that size, you know, a lot of people look at him now and be like, oh, I thought I knew he was going to be this. But a lot of people hmm. didn't go out there and do their homework. If you, have a, if you look at him playing in college, like I said, just because you miss a throw, you miss a throw here and you miss a throw there does not mean that you can't still go out there and play the game. He's a humble kid. You know, he, he loves going out there and, you know, putting his guys in position where they can keep catch the ball. He has great weapons around him, you know, Keenan Allen, um, you know, Mike Williams. He has Austin Eckler, you know, guys that are willing to go out and work for him. When you have guys surrounding you, around you like that it makes your job that much easier but he's a young guy that you know hit the ground running you know it was unfortunate what happened to tyra taylor you know to open the day but right. you know when one door closes another one opens and you know he went through that door and never looked back but he's he's an awesome talent mm -hmm. um i think you know the charges are in good hands you know from this day going forward and it's just about him just you know going in and staying humble and but appreciating everything that he has around him and going out there just to get the wins and i think he'll be you you know as successful as the team will you know as long as they keep a good defense around them and they go out there and you know every week just go out there and play for one reason and that's the win game i so think he, he fell i think he fell into the stigma of the oregon quarterback yeah because you know 
I mean, you know, for a long time, they was like Oregon quarterbacks couldn't play in the league. Um, and I think he fell into that. And it's a lot of teams pissed off. Washington football team should have got him, but they didn't. But, yeah, right. I love Justin yeah. Herbert. Yeah, Absolutely. and that happens. I mean, that's no different than just like sure. the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you look at every quarterback that right. you know, wins the Heisman Trophy, they think that they're automatically going to come in the NFL hmm. and do what they did in college. But hmm. a lot of people don't understand that the pro game is a completely different game. Those windows are hmm. a lot smaller <laughs> in the NFL than they are in college. You got to think, a lot of people throw people open because they're running wide open. And it's right. not like you're playing, you know, Hoochie State every week <laughs> in the mm-hmm. college. But when mm-hmm. you every week you playing against pros. So those windows aren't as big as right. they were in college because right. now you only, you know, you play, you got three or four good matchups in your schedule, but then everybody else is a dud. But now you got to go out there and at the pro level, you're not only competing in practice against pros. Now you go out there on Sundays and got to compete against pros. Hey, Keith, let me ask you this. Uh, what best piece of advice you've gained from any of your previous coaches? Um, I would say um, it's up to you as a coach to get the best out of your players. Um, and that's what I'm finding out about this recruiting, uh, college recruiting. Um, the biggest thing is you take – you take what a guy can do when you're recruiting him off of a highlight tape or you go see him in person and you know that those are the things that he's capable of doing. So you always want to lean on that and stop putting him in positions to fit what your scheme is going to do. Right. If that is not what, you know, he was showing you coming out of college, allow him to do what made him successful in high school. And now it's no different in the pros. If he comes from another team as a free agent and he was successful doing what he did, allow him to come to your team and do what he did, not try to put him in or pigeonhole him into your system, allow him to do what allowed him to be successful wherever he was at previous. So that's something that I've also learned. Um, that's one of the things that I think Belichick actually does. I had a, um, you know, I actually had a summer internship up there with him and just Ooh. watching him, um, you know, the way that he ran the team, um, approached coaching um, on a day in and day in base, a day in and day out basis was very, very, you know, knowledgeable. And, you know, when it comes down to situational football, you know, he's a right. master at it. And that's something that I've always, you know, loved about, being around him for that summer and i've i've actually used a lot of that you know in some of my coaching style to this day because when the situation comes up you know i think it's better to be prepared for it because it's not going to come up all the time but if you work it and be ready for it when it does come up it's like deja vu versus boo boo so let me ask you so let me ask you this keith um you are um one of the coaches uh special teams coach at Tennessee State with Eddie uh-huh. George. Um, you're a big, t- you're, you're a recruiter. Um, I'm a player. I got uh, I got three offers on the table, right? And uh-huh. you're coming to my house with my parents or what have you, along with myself, what have you. Give me your recruiting pitch. Um, it's, it's not, a, I don't look at it as a pitch. I mean, I'm gonna okay. tell you who I am, uh, what I represent, what our coaching staff represent. Um, every coach on our staff either has been in NFL or played in NFL. So mm. we have those resources. Um, if you have, uh, I would only be recruiting players that have aspirations to play at the next level, but it's not even really about football. When I'm going into a house, I'll always look at it as at the end of those four years, can I get you to walk across that stage? Because that's going to be one of my proudest moments, you know, um, 
I think the football will always speak for itself. But at the end of the day, I want you to come here uh, at a great university to get a great education, first and foremost. But I will be coaching you very hard. Nothing is going to be given to you. You will have to earn everything that you do get. But at the same time, those other schools will not be able to offer you the experience that we can offer you as a university. But at the end of the day, I want you to go to a school where you feel that it is home. And I think coming to Tennessee State is exactly that because we are a family. I enjoy coming to work every day. I enjoy going out to work and coaching these young kids every day. I'm hard, but I'm fair. But at the same That's time, right. if that is something that you're looking for, Tennessee State is the place to be. All right. knowing, knowing what you know now, what would you tell the younger version of Keith Burns? Wow. Um, the younger version, I would tell him, you didn't have to do it that way. Because if I knew what I knew, what I know now about the game of football, I would tell myself to stop hitting people as hard as I hit them. Um, I would say, <laughs> um, you always, um, I've always gotten some advice from, you know, a lot of people around me, but I would say the biggest piece of advice was when I came into the league, I didn't owe anybody. When you leave the league, you don't want to owe anybody. That's so right. I think that is the biggest thing that I took, you know, and Word. like I said, being a professional, you know, you get caught up in, you know, a lot of things that you can get, a lot of things that you can do. But at some point in time, you have to understand that just because you can don't mean you have to. Just because you can buy a lot of things don't mean you have to. And I'm not one to get in and out of a lot of cars. You know me, I'm old school. I ride right. my, I ride the car that I have, you know, till the cows come home. Um, That's right. Until they say, you know, you can't drive me no more. I'm actually still driving my 2002 uh, Cadillac Escalade till this day. It's actually 20 oh, well. years old. So um, it doesn't take much. Um, I say stay humble. You know, you've done a great job so far as a younger Keith. Um, you know. Um, things are going well. Um, you know, stay in your faith. Um, now that you're, you may have kids in the future. Um, you know, they're going to represent you well. Um, you know, I've been very blessed to be married for 24 years. I'm just trying to make it to 25. So, um, my lovely wife, Michelle Burns, um, giving her a shout out because she's definitely held it down. Um, you know, throughout my throughout my NFL career and making the transition, making the transition into coaching. You know, um, she's been there all the way, and I don't know if I would have able, ever been able to do it without her. So I definitely don't want to get off this radio without giving her a shout-out to my lovely wife. <laughs> shout-out to Michelle my Burns. Wife. And, yes. and also the lady that raised me, Tracy Burns, and my sister, Tawanda Burns. Mama Burns. Um, you know, that, those are the ladies of my life. Um, you know, I don't know where I would be without them. My brother, Austin, um, I did have a, uh, my brother died in uh, 2000. Uh, Rest in peace, Perry. Rest in but, peace. You know, a lot of people know him, um, you know, but I still yeah. carry him with me to my heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if his mm -hmm. kids are ever listening on your show, you know, I miss them too. But like mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's been a great experience. But that's what I would always tell the younger Keith. You've done a great job so far, you know, and um, I've, uh, you'll be appreciative of everything that you've done. Don't change for anybody um, because everything is going to turn out all right. Mm. My man. Love that. My man. I love that. You, you, got, you guys, you got any other questions and stuff like that? Like, like I said. Man. Nah. 
I know it was a great interview. I know that. I told you, Yeah, Keith Burns, you are laying it out there for us. We love it. I'm wondering, do we want to switch over to the NFL? No, I'm good. Talk about what's going on recently, the top rankings of the NFL. How are you guys feeling about what's coming up? talking about the top NFL power rankings? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Keith, Keith, who is your top? Yeah, look here. If you had, if you had to make, if you had to make your list right now, give me your top five NFL teams right now, week seven. What week seven? I would, week go, eight? I would go with. I mean, and in, in, in order. No, no. In, in, oh, in, in order. Yeah. I would still. I would go with Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo. Gotcha. I would go with. Um, I still like what the Titans are doing because they can run the ball. Nobody's gonna really want to tackle Derrick Henry late, so it ain't gonna matter. When as it starts getting cold, you are gonna see them holes getting wider and wider. And then <laughs> I would always have to stick Denver in there because they're their team. They took a chance on me, so regardless of what their record is, they'll always be high in the power rankings. Bad. All right, who you got, Mo? So, uh, first, if a team hasn't lost, they got to be number one. So, the Arizona Cardinals for me. Uh, then I'm going to go to the Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, mm. the, the Bucks, and how about them Cowboys? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a critic. I'm a critic, but they have, they have shown me that as Absolutely. far as on offense, they're very balanced. And when you have that kind of balance, it's tough for any defensive coordinator to game plan against that. Dak Prescott is definitely uh, mature the same way that Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray have matured. Josh, Josh Allen as well. I think we're witnessing a changing of the guard in the NFL that some of these younger quarterbacks are starting to mature in what they're seeing. But that's my top five, fellas. Not bad, not bad. Um, my top five, I'm going to probably go with number one with the Cardinals. Um, number two, I'll probably go – with Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. just off of the fact that how they still beating people and they secondary is thin, you know, Gronk <laughs> out, you know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Number three, I'll probably go with Dallas at number three. Um, no fan talk. It's literally just like, I mean, that defense mm-hmm. constantly make plays, you know, like like Mo said, the offense is balanced. When you got a run game and those weapons Dak Prescott got, man, I mean – it's tough to really sit there and stop them for four quarters. And then at number four, I'll probably go with the Rams just because, um, hey, man, they got probably two of the best defensive players in football, Aaron Donald and Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, their offense is high-powered. Uh, and then number five, I put Baltimore at five just because, mm-hmm. Mo, they three players away from being two and four. So, yep, I mean, yep. yeah, they five and one, but without that 62-yard game when the field goal, the Chiefs, fumbled the ball with a minute left. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a firm believer in good teams find a way to win in adversity. I believe That's that. right. That's right. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, so I'm putting them at number five in, in, my, in my top five. Okay. Hey, J-Dub, that's so funny you said that because this is going to blow you away. I'm putting Baltimore number one, and this is the reason why. All the injuries, bro. Yeah. But when all those injuries happened during preseason before the season, nobody, right. trust me, everybody was putting Cleveland at the top. Right. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Them dudes found a way to win. And I went to the game a couple of weeks ago on Monday That's night. And what they did to Indianapolis, I mean, I thought that game was over. We left early. Yeah. I mean, we I think we left at the end of the third quarter. <laughs> but, you know, the way they came back, you know, uh, all the pressure that's on Lamar Robert, I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson right now, you know, hey, man, listen. That might be the sleeper team, you know, and only re- like I said, the only reason why I said it because of all the injuries. Number two, I'm going to go with the Rams. Number three, I'm always going to put Tom Terrific in there. I don't care who he played for. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, number four, the Chargers, even though I know they got embarrassed last week. I yeah, still they, think they'll bounce back, though. I still okay. think they'll bounce back. Um, they just got to do a better job of stopping the run. It looked like they're having a hard time stopping the run yes, right now. Yeah. And number five for me, only because I'm not a believer yet, because what are they, five or six and oh, are the Cardinals. But they are in my top five. But we just flip-flopped each other, J-Dub, right. well, right. between one and five. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. my power ranking start with Arizona Cardinals. Hey, thanks, J-Will, because you you called this out in the beginning of the year, man. He did. Kyler Murray is doing his thing, bro. He I did. Know, like said, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's, he he's, definitely a, he's definitely mm-hmm. an MVP candidate mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I got L.A. Rams two, Baltimore Ravens three, uh, Dallas Cowboys four, man. Dallas, look at man. I can sit up and say I hate him or what have you, but I'd be a fool to sit up and say I don't respect. I, res- I respect. I respect what they're doing. Right. You're talking about a team that I mean they had pretty much the worst damn defense last year. It couldn't even get any worse than that. And then you mm-hmm. look. I mean, I mean, they bring in the defensive coordinator. And you see what he's doing wonders with that team. There's no. There's no real stars on that team. And then you got to look at Diggs, man. Let's talk about Travion yeah. Diggs. Travion Diggs is yeah. – he can he's a damn MVP candidate if you, if you ask. Easy. Me. Easy. I, 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 I'm Easy. I'm a defensive candidate. And I got the Tampa Bay Bucks at four. And I got uh, Green Bay on the outside looking in. At Love Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that's it. That, that's it in terms of that, guys. So, that, that's that's my top five in terms of power rankings. Um, but let me get back to this, Keith. Because we, 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 there's an elephant in the room. Uh-huh. We gotta ask this goddamn on question. <laughs> everybody, on Facebook and Instagram wants to ask this question, and everybody wants to talk about this. Uh-huh. Uh, the was hit. Okay, on Monday night. Let's talk about it, Keith. I was scared because I didn't want to bring it up because I was like, you know what? If I ask him this, we're gonna lose him. He's not gonna mess with us ever again. He's gonna get on stand-up comedy. He's gonna talk shit about us and stuff like that. So let's get it out the way, Keith. Go ahead. The All floor right. is yours, bro. Uh, well, actually, you know, a lot of people was at that game. Um, <laughs> actually, the hit he's referring to, it was actually a kickoff. I mean, it was actually a field goal, and they actually ended up, we actually ended up going for a long field goal. We ended up missing it, but in the NFL, with a missed field goal that does not go out the back of the end zone, you can actually return it. So Chris McAllister actually got it, and I told the guys before that play started that we needed to cover Lo and behold, I was the only one that covered. <laughs> so, going down, mind you, mind you, I did have a cast on my hand because I had broke my hand the week before. Mm-hmm. I remember. was covered up. So, I actually ran down there, and I'm thinking I'm sizing McAllister up. Okay, I can make this tackle. And then Ray Lewis came and actually took me off my feet. And that hit not only was on Monday Night Football, I think it was on the Cooking Channel, too. <laughs> so, uh, he, actually got, he actually got me. He actually got me pretty good. But, uh, like I said, I was getting calls. I was getting calls, and everybody's still asking me, like, "Are you okay? Are you gonna be okay? You know, anything like that?" But one thing I always say: I did end up getting up. And That's right. If you play the game long enough, you will get hit like you this. Dead on right. Hey, hey, Keith, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Ray Lewis go out out after exactly, that hit? Exactly. He never he came back up, in the game he, after he that hit. Sprained, yeah. He actually ended up spraining his shoulder. So I got you, I big actually, homie. Hey, even though it was so a big I got you back. I actually still got the best of him. That's yeah. right. I got your back. I got your back, a, homie. It was a hit that was seen around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember that. Oh Let me ask you this. One word that best describes... Keith Burns. 
Um, I would say humble. Um, yes. Like I said, I don't, I don't, you know, I never Stay want for much. Humble. I don't ask for much, but you know, I think God has given me a lot, considering where you know where I came from, how I came up. But I never really want for much. I'm a simple guy, but I would say humble. Um, that's something that my mom has always taught me. You know, to treat people like you want to be treated. So far as that goes, um, I would say one word would be humble. Because when I see people, even though I played in the NFL, you know, I, that does not define me, you know. So when people see me out in the street, even when I'm in Alexandria, they'd be like, you know, oh, he looks different. You know, he acts different. And I'm like, no, this is who I am because the league never defined me because that was my job. Right. And I never carried my work home. So, you know, when I go home, my kids don't care that, you know, dad plays football. They just want to see dad at home. So right. I was able to separate the two. And even when I came back home, you know, to Virginia, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would never change. I would still go to the hood. I go to Del Rey, go to Fort right. Kelly, go to Charles Houston, go to Charles Barrett, go to the rec centers, you know, like I always did growing up because, that's what basically made me. So I would never get forget where I came from. And mm -hmm. that allowed me to be able to still do some of the things in the community that I do now. So, you know, I'm always grateful and thankful for that. Well, uh, speaking of Court Kelly, guys, I, I got a um, confession to make. I never told anybody this. And I'm going to say, I'm going to share it on air right now. Confessions. <sighs> It's just, you know, hey, it is what it is. I'm going to put myself out there. It is what it is, man. Um, We had a basketball. I was playing for Charles Houston. Went out went out for Charles Houston. This is back in 1985, 86. Um, our first basketball game was at Court Kelly. Now, let me be honest with you guys. I'm afraid of heights. And if anybody know what Court Kelly used to be in terms of basketball, Court used to be on stilts. Yes. So I quit. I quit the basketball team. <laughs> I quit the goddamn basketball team. I, t I told the coach that I was on punishment. My mom put me on punishment and stuff like that or what have you. I've held that inside for the past uh, for the past 30 something years or what have you, man. But yes, I was scared to play up court Kelly because I was always afraid that that gym was going to fall and crash or whatever it was going to be, man. So I just wanted to put that out there, guys. That's what that's what, you know, that's my confession. So it is what it is. That's crazy. All right. Go ahead, Ed. Well, I was gonna say we have that. I we appreciate your confession, cousin. That's, uh, that's deep. I feel you right here. Um, so uh, we have a special segment uh, of the No Cap Sports Show podcast where sports and convos collide, and we're gonna ask Mr. Mo Money to come forward and put a little something on our mind, family. What do you have? All right, so this is probably be the last time I talk about the John Gruden thing, but it inspired me to do a little research because the NFL always felt a little funny to me mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of race relations. So I went back and I, and I thought about it and I thought about my childhood and I, I remember seeing Warren Moon about 43, four, about you know 20 years ago in the NFL. And he's probably one of the, the greatest quarterbacks that I ever witnessed throw the ball that doesn't get any credit. And then I, then I thought about it. 43 years ago, Warren Moon wasn't even allowed to be drafted. Nobody wanted him. You know, he had to go to the CFL to show off his talents. If you combine his CFL stats and his NFL stats, he'd be a top five passer across the board. So that, that got me to really thinking about today's NFL. If you look at the top 10, you'll probably have at least five to six African-American quarterbacks in there. 
Well, 43 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible because we weren't smart enough. We weren't looked at as true leaders. So I want to extrapolate that and put that here. I want to see that same energy now going forward for African-American head coaches. There's 32 teams. There's only five minorities. Two of them are African-American. The same way that we gave you, you we, we showed you that we can handle the quarterback position, they can handle the head coach position. So I wanted to put something on the mind of the NFL. Give these guys a chance. If I hear one more time about Kellen Moore getting a head coaching opportunity for Eric Bieniemy, I'm going to lose my mind. So NFL, please don't wait 43 years like you did with Warren Moon to give these African-American quarterbacks a chance. Let's get these head coaches a shot and not just a shot right. with, a, excuse my friends, a shitty organization that don't have a quarterback. Give them a shot like Mike McCarthy got with the Dallas Cowboys with mm, an already right. established roster. Right. Preach, right. Boy. Preach. Right. So that was my segment. That's what I had on my mind. Hopefully some of these African-American quarterbacks, uh, I mean, head coaches will get a chance. That. Great job, Mo. Great job, Mo. Bring us back in, Abney. We lost, right. we lost Keith. We yeah, Mr. M Mr. Burns needed to step out. Thank you so much, Keith Burns, for Absolutely joining not. the wow. show. Yes. Round yes. Of appreciate that, bro. Yes. Appreciate you, that. Keith. We appreciate you, OG. Yes, we definitely sir. appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. You made Alexandra so proud. Much. Yes. Absolutely. So humble as well. I really do appreciate that, though. Seriously. Yeah. That's yeah, cute. we all do. Mm -hmm. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good um segment, Mo. Putting something on our mind. I love it. Thank okay, you. let's get to the final thoughts, baby. Let's get let's get on out of here. Let's wrap it. Yeah, people gotta go to bed. <laughs> All right. Well, final thoughts, fellas. What you got? This week, I think the um I, Atlanta is hot. I think they're gonna close it out if they have not already. I don't know. I might have missed it in travel, but they look wonderful. So they tricked that money up last night. Yeah, they showed it was all my fault. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I think they playing tonight right now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, right I, I, I think we play at 10, fellas. Man. Yep. Okay. Back. Yeah. 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 Did, did Boston uh, lose to uh, Houston? They, I they got smacked. They lost tonight. Last they night, it was 6-0. Okay, back. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah but, Houston uh, is looking beautiful right yeah. now. My uh, final just, thoughts from... Hey man, I'm like, like we said, it's the best time of the year, man. You got basketball, you got baseball mm, playoffs, mm. you got football going. I mean, I'm, I'm happy now. I got something to watch every night. Every night, you know I know that. So, you got no excuse. Um, I ain't trying to toot my own horn, you know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> even though the, uh, we playing them, I, I, I remember I projected the Dodgers and the Astros to be the two teams, you know what I'm saying, to play for the series. But hey, man, um, I stated them Red Sox was hot. But at the end of the day, man, Astros play some damn good baseball, bro. Try to tell they you, really man. are. Them boys play some good yeah, baseball. Man. You can say what you want about them. Uh, I want to know what Them I boys play some damn good up. baseball, man. Oh, uh, Braves up 4-0 right now, guys. Braves yeah, up Braves up 4-0. Thanks, I am right We up 4-0. So, hey, man, look, if the Braves don't fumble it tonight, I'm not going to speak fast like I did last year. We was up 3-1 last year. Right. Right. Sure was. If we would have won last mm -hmm. night, I would have mm -hmm. bought out of the go look look at some World Series tickets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I ain't buying no damn tickets or nothing. To do. We <laughs> <wouldn't be serious. laughs> hey, I yeah. almost cried last year when we did that league, man. Like, how we do this? 
Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens. Yeah, man. But it ain't supposed to happen to my team. It ain't happen to my team. <laughs> what you got? What you got, little bro, Mo? So my uh, my final thoughts this weekend. You got a couple teams out there in the NFL that have got off to some god awful starts. Yeah. Especially some of these NFC East teams, and I'm looking to see what what's going to happen. Are we going to see some head coaching shakeups? If we don't see the proper adjustments, right. uh, I want to see this Deshaun Watson trade go through. Uh, I, I think I'm gonna be honest. I think Miami is the damn Houston of the further south. I don't mm. think they're. I mean, the defense is okay, uh, but as far as offensively, they don't mm. offer up a whole lot either. The O line mm. just as trash as the one in Houston, and the weapons yeah. are about the same. Right. So um, hopefully they'll build around Deshaun Watson in a way that Houston failed to do, mm. and yeah. support him in a manner that Houston was unwilling to do. Yeah. Um, and he can have a successful career yeah. down there because. Outside of Josh Allen, he, he will be the best quarterback in that division. So that's that's my uh, final thoughts for this week. And not only that, Mo, my thought, Ron. No, go, no, no, no. Not no, only no, that, Mo, I, think, uh, I think Miami could build around them easier just because, oh, yeah. like, players will want to go play in Miami. You for know sure. what I'm saying? Like, for you sure. get to live in Miami mm-hmm. and Deshaun Watson is your quarterback. I think they'll be able to get a little bit more. Right. Ball. For that's sure. That's a great point. That's I mean, he, he had a top five wide receiver, but we ain't going to talk about how he was <laughs> fucked up the bag. That coach was good. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Go ahead double off. No, nah, man, I know we keep saying it, man, but I definitely want to thank I definitely want to thank the homie for coming on, man. You know, um those guys those guys' times those guys' time uh, is very precious. I mean, yes, you know, they got a lot it. going on and we appreciate that. Appreciate the plug that uh, you know, connect connected us. Uh, with him, uh, and with that said, college basketball is right around the corner. Um, like you said, uh, I don't really have one, man. I just like to watch good college basketball. Okay. I, okay. Well, I, I, I'll tell you this: I hate Duke. Um, right, but but at the beginning, but the, but at the well, obviously you guys don't know this because you know we weren't together then. But at the beginning of the uh, NCAA tournament last year, I picked Baylor. I loved Baylor because they, they got Baylor dogs. Yeah. yeah. Baylor got dogs. Hey, Jay, we'll tell him again. One through five last year. Five, bro, them boys, hey, they switch everybody, everybody rotating, everybody playing D. Ain't nobody soft. Even a couple white boys, they had tough. Yes, sir. They strapped the hell out of the Gonzaga, didn't they? Because you know why? Because you know why, too? And I'll say this real quick. I mean, I, I I know they're athletes, but UCLA took everything out of Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, and that, I mean, they took everything out of them. But and it yeah. showed once they got once they played on Monday night. I mean, yeah. um, that's right. Right. But other than that, um, be sure to tune in next week. Hoop heads, and I'll just leave it at that. We need all our hoop heads to tune in next week. Got a real special treat for y'all next week. Absolutely, man. In terms of my final thoughts, man. Hey, Keith Burns. Hey, look at special shout out once again, man. We appreciate you, Alexandra. We hope we made you proud. Uh, DMV. We hope we, we hope we made you proud. What have you? These are more. Uh, this is just the beginning, guys. It's uh, more good interviews to come. What have you? Um, like I said, we put ourselves out there every week, man, for you guys. What have you? Uncut. We don't. You know, <laughs> we we come to you live as is. What have you? This is not an easy task, but guess what? We're doing something that we're passionate about and just let you know like i said it's only going to get better it is only going to get better i guarantee you that in terms of what i'm looking for this week guys i'm looking i want to see uh brooklyn in the uh sixes uh, um friday man i can't wait to see that 
Mm. Um, this Ben Simmons saga, man, is uh, is is crazy. Um, it's just heating up, but Bonkers. again, but we're gonna save that for next week because right. the whole entire segment next week is all NBA and all the other stuff. So, like my boy Ron said, all you hoop heads and what have you, don't be afraid to call in and 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 chime in and stuff like that for real. Don't be doing shit behind the scenes, texting me and shit or what have you. Call <laughs> in, don't be scared. We do not, not bite. Ready. We don't bite. Ready. Damn. Um, <laughs> now, on a serious note. Um, I want to say uh, rest in peace to my uh, to a friend of mine, uh, Samantha Butler. Um, like I said, she passed away last week. Uh, she's been yeah, she's like I said, she's been a close friend for for um, for like over what 20, 20 some years, man. Uh, she passed away uh, last week, so I want to say uh, rest, rest in, in peace, peace baby girl. rest in peace, baby girl. And uh, God will look over you and them beautiful kids of yours and stuff like that. But those are my final Bad. thoughts. Oh, real quick, team. Hey, if we're gonna give a, a rest in peace, we got to give a rest in peace to Colin Powell, man. It's a lot oh of great, great leaders out there yes, that wouldn't sir. have a job without. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. sir. I read that book. Rest in rest in rest in paradise, General. Rest in paradise. Yes, absolutely. Indeed. I will just say that family, be on the lookout. There will be an opportunity to see most of the members of the No Cap Sports Show podcast in person, live and in living color. So be on the lookout for the uh notices on that great show fellas um if if i didn't mention before my birthday's tomorrow hey happy birthday babe happy birthday where you at where you at right now where you at young las vegas baby okay so what happened in vegas stays in vegas Yes, indeed. Uh oh, Just you know got it. the EKs on. Wait a okay. minute. Wait a minute. Yes. Okay. The show is over. You know, it's right. three hours behind. So I'm about to turn it Back. up. Go ahead, turn it up. Hey, hey, guys, get, guys, hey, we love you. Hey, just know if you get your ass locked up, don't use the company money. Hey, no, don't, no, don't hey, fucking up all of that. Hey, Mo, thank you. Don't use the company. That's some bullshit.